0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and, and pray for our Sunday school lesson, please. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you this morning, Lord, just to thank you for this this opportunity to open your word, Lord, and to, Lord, read some verses and discuss them. and Lord, I ask you, Lord, that you just be with us and just lead us and guide us. and Lord, I ask you just to help us understand your lesson and, and what you want us to learn from this, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, guys, and as we go along, we're still talking about walking with the Lord and different aspects of walking with the Lord, and and last week we started talking about walking in the name of the Lord, Uh, so we're going to continue with that, Um, and we know that that to walk in the name of the Lord, uh, we talked about that last week, we need to to make sure that, that all we do and all that we say and even all that we think is in line with the will of God. So if you're saying or doing or thinking something that is not in the will of God, you're not walking with God, and you're definitely not walking in the name of the Lord. Uh, You know, I go back to that thing, those little bracelets we used to have years ago that said, what would Jesus do? That is so true. That is so true. If you think about that in your life, what would Jesus do? Would he think this? Would he do this? Or would he say this, right? And, And all that is, is that's because if you're a Christian... That's your life. All those things that you say, do, and think should be a reflection of Christ in you. Right. <clears throat> um, and this is because why? Because the Lord is our Lord and he's the one true, powerful God and, and mighty. He's awesome. He's outstanding. He's everything. He's, he's his name. Just his name. We learned last week. We went through the meanings. Some of the meanings of his name. It's holy and righteous. Okay. Right. That's why. You should live your life and everything should be measured with this book, okay? And we're talking about walking in the, in the name of, in His name, in His name, right? So let, let's look at that. Let's look at Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Let's start there. Second <clears throat> Peter chapter 1, verse 12. And the Bible says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, that ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Be established in what? You're, you need to be established in the present truth of God's word. Okay? Not the present truth of this world. It's the present truth of God's world. And these, you know, we talk it about in the Bible, you had prophets, you had apostles, and they spoke, right? They spoke by inspiration from God. None of the Old Testament, none of the New Testament was, was anything, but it was about God, by God, through men. In the Old Testament men wrote about what God did. They saw that. You, you think about the Israelites. They followed a burning column for 40 years out in the wilderness. Right? They followed around and they, they followed this column of clouds and it, they actually got to see these things. Moses got to see God's essence in a burning bush that wouldn't consume. You know? Can you I mean can you imagine those things today? If I see a burning bush today, I'm calling 911 because I know it's going to be a forest fire. It's so dry. But it was a burning bush that did not consume. You know, a column of fire that lasted for 40 years. They got to experience these things. The New Testament was given by direct inspiration of God. Well, the whole Bible was given by direct inspiration of God. But the New Testament, the same thing. It was talking about the life of Jesus. And these men that wrote this walked with Jesus. They actually got to see him. They got to shake his hand and touch his side and eat with him and drink with him. Okay, and that's what we're talking about. These prophets and apostles—they spoke under direct inspiration from the Holy Ghost. It's not the same thing with us today. We, We were when Jesus left, He left us the Holy Ghost, and He left us His Word. Okay, and we should have the same power that those prophets and apostles have. It's just different, okay? And and since the Bible is now complete, it's complete. God said it's done. He gave the revelation. That was the end of it. That was the end, right? When you get in, you're reading a book, and it gets to the end, you're done. The Bible's done. It's complete. There's nothing else that needs to be added to it. Today, there's no authorized prophets, and there's no apostles today, okay? Hate to burst somebody's bubble, but it's not happening. God used prophets when he wanted to. He used apostles when he wanted to. Now he uses Christians, Okay, so you need to just deal with that. Um, so you can't. If the Bible's done and there's none of those prophets and none of those apostles, what can we not expect today? Well, there's no speaking in tongues. Right. Done. Done. No man is going to go heal another man. Okay, you're not going to be bit by a serpent and live. All the things that the apostles could do, right? They're, they're done. Okay, and there's nobody speaking. Nobody today should be hearing the word of God that thinks it's direct inspiration and then writing books. Okay? Not happening. Not happening. Okay? So all these fancy, you know, money preachers that write, you know, volumes and volumes of books and they become millionaires off these books, you don't need that. The only book you need is right here. I don't need a book to tell me what this book says. I need God to tell me what this book says, okay? And that's the problem, too, okay? Because there's lots of religions that claim that the writings of the priest or the writings of the pastor are more important than this word, and it's not, okay? So let's go to Second Timothy, three, verse sixteen, and this is a very, very common verse. Probably all know it, but it's it's uh, it's something we're talking about, okay? Second Timothy. Three in verses 16 and 17, and right here it says, this is the Bible, so it's it's the authority. It says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfectly, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished in all good works. That's what we're talking about. This word, this Bible is his word, and that's what we're looking at today. So we're looking at the authority, okay, the rule book from God. It was inspired by him. It was written by men. And it tells us right there what it's for. So if this Bible is what you do to correct yourself and to direct your life, then you'll be right with God, okay? And it's why. So we can be perfect. And you're not going to be perfect in the sense that we think, you know? You're going to be perfect in following God. You're going to fail, but you're still perfect in his eyes because you're in his will, okay? You're going to sin, but then he gave us that avenue. He says, just admit you're wrong. Admit you sinned, ask for forgiveness, right? So this is what we're talking about. So let's look at 2 Timothy, and still in chapter 4, but let's look at verses 2 and 3. It says, I, I, I'm sorry, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Okay. That's happening today. That's happening today. People are stepping so far away from this Bible. They're reading all these books written by other people that think they're inspired of God. You know, they're listening to men that claim to be, you know, hearing word, hearing direct inspiration from God. Okay, no, and that's what is happening today. They will not. They the world will not tolerate sound doctrine so the world will tell you this bible is wrong it's full of errors why do i have to live that way oh that's not what i get out of that that's not what this preacher tells me because they don't want to admit they're sinful okay this is the word of god we're supposed to be listening to and we're talking about pastors and teachers and even christians today it says right there that we must be instant in season out of season you must be ready right you must be ready to preach god's true word not some perverted word Not some crazy pamphlets you wrote up or some booklet or some novel that they've written about God, right? And you should not claim, nobody in this earth should claim divine inspiration for their own words. The only divine inspirations are God's words, okay? So let's go to Acts chapter 17. And we did not even got to talking about walking in the name of the Lord yet, but we're getting there. We're building that foundation. Acts 17 verse 11. Acts 17, verse 11. The Bible says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. That's what we need to be doing. We receive God's word, right? And our mind has to be ready to receive God's word. But then you search the word daily. It means you read your Bible every single day. And why do you do that? So you can know God's will, you know his word, and you can test whatever is in your mind or your heart or in your mouth or those people around you. You can test it according to God's word, right? It's like when you, 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 know, you go to a pawn shop and then you're going to pawn a gold ring, right? Well, they're going to take your word for it that it's gold. No, they're going to put it back there on the little bench and test it and make sure it's cold. Same thing. Everything should be tested by the word of God. If you don't come to church, you don't listen to preaching, you don't pray and you don't read your Bible, how are you going to know the word of God to test things with? You're going to fail. Okay. And, And we're speaking in the name of the Lord, right? In the name of the Lord, you can only apply those words which are spoken to share God's message. So if you're teaching somebody about God's word you're speaking in the name of the Lord because you're using the words that he put in this Bible okay you're speaking in the name of the uh your speech should be God's message right God's word and the only way you can get it is from this Bible so if, if you're speaking unbiblical speech that's rejected that's rejected. No whether it's, it's cuss words, no whether it's somebody speaking a fra- false doctrine, it has to be rejected. That's not in the name of the Lord, right? And let's go to 1 Peter 4:11. 1 Peter 4:11. <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 11. The Bible says, "If any man speak let him speak as the oracles of god if any man minister let him do it as as of the ability which god giveth that god in all things may be glorified through jesus christ to whom be praise and dominion forever amen so if you have a if you have a pastor right there that's speaking right you have a minister a pastor somebody's teaching you it needs to be done in the ability that god giveth them god makes pastors You can't grow up and go, man, those pastors on TV make a lot of money. That's what I want to do. That's not a godly pastor. A pastor made by God is a man that gets saved and his heart gets convicted and he has no peace because God's telling him what to do until he gives up and says, okay, God, I'm going to be a pastor because that's what you choose. Same thing with Christians. You're chosen by God and you're called to salvation. And you will be miserable until you give up to that call. And then when you get that call and you actually accept him and you're saved, guess what? Then he puts a calling on you. Either you're a pastor or you're a teacher. Maybe you mow the yard at the church. Maybe you cook or clean. But he has a ministry for you somewhere. Okay? And until you get to that ministry, it may be that he has that one person, one person in your life. And it may be 10 years after you're saved that he wants you to share the word of God with. But he's going to prepare you for 10 years for that one moment. Because what if that one person that you speak to God about and you tell them about God and they're on that edge, they could either go full serial killer or they could go to be a great pastor. But you tell them about God and their heart changes and that day they become a great minister, a great pastor, you know, or even a great father, a great mother. But God has that moment for you. Okay, And that's where we need to be. And our word should should bless and uplift the name of who? The Lord. So let's go to Numbers. You want to talk about this in the name of the Lord stuff. Let's look at this. Let's go to Numbers chapter 6. <clears throat> numbers chapter 6 in verse 23. Let's do 22. 22 through 27. Number 6, 23 through 27. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, here it is, God speaking directly to Moses, right? Speak unto Aaron and unto his son, saying, On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Okay, we're here in the Old Testament, right? So the Old Testament priests, right, as God's representatives, that's what they were. That's what Moses and Aaron was. They were God's representatives. He wasn't here on earth, but he used them, okay? And he blessed the people in the Lord's name. We see that, in the Lord's name. And since God had chosen these priests and these prophets to serve, right, where did they serve? They served in the temple. Remember the temple they built and they moved it around? That's what they served. And they did that to convey what? God's word to the people. He was using them. They were preachers. That's exactly what Brother Larry is. He's chosen by God to bring God's word to us. Because if you're unsaved, you can't understand God's word. And then if you're new saved, it's milk to a baby. You need somebody to lead you. And that's what these people were. And they had the authority to do this by God. They had the authority to judge controversies and to set appropriate punishments back then. That's what they were there for. And no person can bless another person. You know, you see these people, oh, God bless you, or, you know, you ask them how they're doing, I'm blessed. No, only God can bless you. Okay, there's some religions where there's a priest in a box and he blesses you and tells you to do, you know, I don't know how many Hail Marys and, and, uh, you know, put money in the box on the way out. He can't do anything. Okay, he has no power. But you can only get blessings that come from the Lord in his name. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, in verses 5-9. through nine, The Bible says, Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is con- contained in the Scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that <clears throat> believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they are They were appointed. But ye, here we go, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Okay? Who's that stone? It's Jesus Christ. So to Christians, he's our stone. He's our cornerstone. Without him, everything crumbles. Okay? That's Christ. But to the world, he's a stumbling block right he's an offense why is that because he shows them their sin he is the light to the world and he shines in the darkness and says i see what you're doing in the darkness is wrong they don't want to be told they're wrong you know how many times you caught your kids like in the you know caught your kids in the cookie jar in the kitchen and they've got their hand in there the cookie's in it and they're pulling it out and you come in there and catch them and they go i wasn't doing that they don't want to be caught mine used to run as fast as they could around the other door and get away In fact, I had two that would, if one was there, the other one was always with them. Jay and Sarah, partners in crime always. So, but we're talking about here is today, since every Christian, you're a priest now, right? When you get saved, God says you're a priest, right? And the blessings that we give out are, are more in terms of encouragement. We can't bless people like God, but we can bless them with what? We can encourage someone, right? We're supposed to exalt each other, right? We're supposed to be exhortation. And we can also, this is another thing priests can do, we can give people a warning like, you know what? That's not right. Don't do that. I'm warning you, that's a sin. Don't go down that road. We can give, as a Christian, we can give other people good godly counsel because God put the Bible in our heart. And the Holy Spirit's there. And the Holy Spirit might tell you, hey, go talk to so-and-so. You know, you see them slipping, go talk to them. Go offer your help. They may reject you, but go offer it. And if they reject you, pray for them. That's another thing you can do as a Christian, right? And and we bless one another by what? Fulfilling all the the other, one other ex- expectations of the New Testament, right? And what were those? We're supposed to edify. We're supposed to comfort each other. We're supposed to encourage each other. We're supposed to warn each other. We're supposed to teach each other. Remember, iron sharpeneth iron, Right? These are the things we do as Christians. That's our blessings. Okay? Let's go to 1 Samuel 17. Still thinking about that name of God, right? In the name of the Lord. 1 Samuel 17, verse 45. And we know this story. This is old David and Goliath. says, The Bible says, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and and with a spear and with a shield, but I come unto thee, ready? I come unto thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. Okay? So what can you do in the name of the Lord? Just like David here. We can take the name of the Lord and we can fight and we can conquer in the name of the Lord. David was a little kid, a teenager, probably a skinny little runt, right? He maybe had some, you know, hiking clothes on. He had a little leather sling and three stones. Goliath was a man of war. He's, you know, I don't know, 500 feet tall, full of muscles. You know, think about, you know, the rock. And he's standing there with all his armor on. All his life he's been trained to fight and kill. And nobody's been able to kill him because he's still standing there. But here comes David. And he he rejected when Saul tried to put his armor on him. He said, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't need that. I have the name of the Lord. And he tells him out there, he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. And he wiped him out, didn't he? And he didn't take all three stones. Took one, one stone. And then he got his head cut off, so ha ha. So we see that the, the nation of Israel, here we go, these are God's chosen people, right? They had a relationship with the true God. This is the same relationship we should have. And no other nation could claim that. And to, to this day, no other nation can claim they're God's people. They can be blessed like God, I mean blessed by God, like America. America was founded by God. It was blessed by God because we came up and we were the most powerful nation in the world. And now look at our decline. It's fast. Because we stepped away from God. Same thing in your life. If you, if you get saved and you're following God, you might follow God for 10, 20 years. But if you step off and you step away, your life will decline fast. Just don't play with God, right? But God's will for Israel often included what? It Included physical warfare against God's enemies. And we see that all through the Old Testament. We're still in Samuel. First Samuel, still in the same chapter, 17. Let's look back at verses 4 through 7 and read this. See about God's name. I want you all to see this. Verse 4, and the Bible says, And there went out a champion. This is old Goliath. Think about this. Just think about this description. A champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He was big. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 500 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders, and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. Okay, that's huge. And his spear, spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a, with a shield went with, <clears throat> excuse me went before him. So he's huge, he's powerful. Right? He's a champion. Nobody can beat him. That's, that's, what, we're, that's what they were going up against. Well, let's look at uh, 17, verse 45 again. It says, then here goes David, right? David said unto the Philistines, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come unto thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of our, uh, the armies of Israel, with whom thou hast defiled. Look at that. He goes out there and he says, I come to thee in the name of the Lord. Right? The name of the Lord. So Goliath entered this battle against Israel with a sword, a spear, and a shield, all this armor. He was just the toughest of the tough, right? But David confronted that giant all by himself. None of the army went with him. He went out there onto the field of battle all by himself. But what did he have when he went against this giant? He had the name of the Lord with him. Right? All, the, all of God's armies were there, right? David told us he was fighting under God's authority and through God's command. God sent him out there. You know, if if that army, Israel's army, would have picked a champion, they'd probably, probably pick the biggest, meanest guy they have. But David, little David, he wasn't a soldier, he was a shepherd. Okay? But we see that God used David, what? God used David and the armies of Israel to defeat the Philistines, and it started with Goliath going down, right? So that was all in the name of the Lord. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 4. The Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, We do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So we're talking about the New Testament here, right? And the New Testament tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not flesh. We live in flesh, but we are not fighting in flesh, right? But mighty before God is the casting down of strongholds. What does that mean? That means those things that have a hold on you. maybe your sins before you got saved, they still pull on you, right? And you cast them down not fleshly, spiritually, spiritually. If you' if you have a sin of, of, of maybe alcohol before you got saved and now you put it down, does that mean you're never going to be tempted again? No. No. And you walk into that grocery store and you walk down the beer aisle, you should you should avoid that aisle probably. But if you walk past the cooler of beer, you might be tempted. But you're not going to fight it by, by, you know, taking your knife out and stabbing yourself till the, till the, the urge is gone. No, you're going to go to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, help me. You're fighting spiritually. And this is what we're talking about. Christian warfare has no physical dimensions, okay? Our enemies in this world are the flesh and the devil, right? And we can't see the devil, but he's there. All those little demons are around us. And what are they doing? They're trying to throw things in our way. They're throwing hurdles in our way to watch us fall. It's spiritual, okay? But we can fight it in the name of the Lord. So let's go to Ephesians 6.10, and let's look at this and, and maybe understand this so we can have a, you know, a better chance of, of succeeding and not failing. Ephesians 6.10 through 13. And we've read this many times, but it's, it's, it's so true. It's so good. Ephesians 6, chapter 10, I mean, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, the Bible says, <clears throat> Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, right? Right there. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the name of the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. There he is, right? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world. <clears throat> Excuse me, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And then, verse 14, stand therefore. Okay? How do we do that? Do we actually put on armor every day? Physical armor? No. We put on spiritual armor because it's a spiritual battle for our soul, it's a spiritual battle to make us sin and, and fall into flesh, right? It's all spiritual. We can't see it. You can't see angels. You can't see demons. You can't see God. You can't see Satan. But they're here. And it's a spiritual battle. And God sent somebody to help us fight this battle. His name is the Holy Ghost. We can't see him either, can you? But he's there. He's helping us fight. And we fight these enemies using spiritual warfare. Our weapons are truth and faith and salvation and the word of God and prayer along with all the other resources that God has given those who are his children. Preaching, Sunday school, listening to to the word on the radio, reading your Bible daily and praying. That's how you build up your army. That's how you build up your armor. That's how Goliath, he was a champion. He went out and worked out with weights and he practiced killing people. How are you going to do that? It's a spiritual warfare. You can lift all the weights you want. It won't do you any good. You could go take all the taekwondo classes you want. It won't do you any good in a spiritual battle. You exercise your spiritual battle by reading the word, by praying. These are all the ways you you build yourself up for this fight because it's coming. And it's going to be there every single day. It will never go away because Satan doesn't let up. We know he's a roaring lion, right? And he's waiting and roaming to see who he can devour. And he'll try you for a minute, and then he'll go try somebody else. But it's always there. Okay? Let's go back to 1 Samuel. Excuse me. Um, and, And talking about the name of the Lord, right? So we see that the name of the Lord is very powerful, right? And people make oaths in the name of the Lord, right? Well, let's look at some of this. Let's look at 1 Samuel again. 20 verse 42. Twenty Verse 42 the Bible says And Jonathan said unto David Go in peace for as much as we have sworn Both of us in the name of the Lord They swore in the name of the Lord Why? Because his name is powerful Saying the Lord be between me and thee And between my seed and thy seed forever And he arose and departed And Jonathan went into the city So what do we see here? David and Jonathan swore an oath to each other They swore an oath of allegiance right? To one another you know, you think about it in the movies. You used to, you know, little kids used to cut their hand, do a blood oath. Yeah, we're blood brothers now, right? Well, this was much powerful than that. This was a name. This was an oath sworn to each other in the name of the Lord. So God was their witness, right? He was their witness, and to swear an oath in God's name is to call upon God as a witness, right? And and it's to witness an agreement that you're calling down upon His wrath on anybody that breaks that agreement, right? Or the stipulations of that vow. And we see Abraham made oaths in God's name. We see it all through the Bible. Okay. Now this doesn't mean that you make an oath. We talked about using His name, God's name, vainly. You can do that, make an oath, right? These are serious oaths because both these men believed in God. Don't do nothing in vanity. So let's go to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2, in verses 23 through 25. Chapter 2, 23 through 25. The Bible says, And he went up from thence unto Bethel, And as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city and mocked him and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. And he turned back and looked on them and and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the woods and tear forty and two children of them." And he went from thence to Mount Carmel, and from thence he returned to Samaria. So what are we looking at? Well, here's Elisha. He invoked, he invoked the Lord's name as a curse, okay, against these scornful young people that were coming out against him, right? And God answered because he sent, says he sent, two she-bears, they came out of nowhere, and, and uh, he wreaked havoc on 42 of them. So there's at least 42 young people coming up against Elisha. And why is that? Because Satan's using them. Satan's pushing them. Okay? He pushed them spiritually to do something physically. He and Elisha used the name of the Lord, which is spiritual, and the Lord answered physically. And that's the way in our lives, right? We need to use him spiritually. We need to be with him spiritually so he will protect us physically. Okay? Okay? Let's look at Matthew, chapter 23. Matthew 23. 16 through 22. Matthew 23, 16 through 22. The Bible says, Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the the temple, it is nothing, but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by a gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, for whether is whether is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. Whosoever therefore shall swear by the altar sweareth by it and by all things thereon, and whosoever swear by the temple sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven sweareth by the name, by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth upon it. So here the the Pharisees were looking at. Jesus is teaching about them. The Pharisees were corrupted, right? And they had a corrupt evil practice of making oaths and vows in God's name. Why were they doing that? They were doing that to show other men that they were more righteous and more holy than them. You know, I'm better than you because I can make an oath or a vow in God's name. And God just right there said those are worthless. You don't swear by the temple. You don't swear by the altar. You don't swear by this gold. You make a vow, you make it in God's name, and then you better keep it, okay? Because he's serious. You do not use God's name in vain. And and these oaths, we also, what? What are we doing in God's name? What are we going to do here in a little bit? We're going to worship in God's name. That's spiritual. That's spiritual, okay? So if you see somebody fall down on the floor flopping like a fish, that's physical. Something's wrong with them, call 911, okay? You see somebody start running around the uh, run around the uh, chapel here, or run around our our worship area. Trip them, stop them because they're crazy. That's physical. It's spiritual. You worship in spirit. Okay, run. See if I don't trip you. So, First Kings eighteen. First Kings eighteen. 31 and 32. The Bible says, And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He built an altar in the name of the Lord, right? So let's listen. He built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. Okay. Well, what we're looking at here is Elijah built this altar in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord, right? That is, the altar was dedicated to what? To the one true living God of Israel. It wasn't to any other God, right? And, and not some other foreign God or foreign idol. There's plenty of altars. There's people that have altars in their house. And they're not to God. They're to other little gods. Okay? But we see here this altar was built in the name of the Lord. Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 39 and 40. The Bible says, Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophecy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Okay, we're talking about spiritual things done in the name of the Lord, right? So this is worship, right? Worship should be conducted under the name of the Lord, but it should conform to God's revealed word, and it has to be consistent with God's character and purpose. Okay, so this is the way you can look at some of this stuff that we see around the world. Worship must uphold God's great reputation and his majesty, his glory, and his honor. So it must be relevant, it must be decent, and orderly. That cuts out a lot of churches that get out of hand, right? I even saw one. It was people put these videos up. They were praising and worshiping, and there was a guy on the stage dancing with roller skates on. He was a praised roller skater. I was like, you are an idiot, okay? Hope he rolls off the stage, breaks his leg. But they do that because what are they doing? What is he doing up there? These people that run around and flop and, and lose their mind they're fulfilling a spiritual need, a carnal need, a fleshly need. Okay? None of that is spiritual. If it is, it's evil spirit. Okay? God does everything. It's it's right there in the verse. It says, verse 40, Let all things be done decently and in order. Decently in order. God is a God of order. He's organized. When we get to heaven, you're going to see... There's not going to be anything out of place. Everything will be orderly because he is perfect. And you know, he talks about those mansions that he's making in heaven for us. I guarantee you get there, they're not going to have broken bricks or the windowsills are not painted. They're going to be perfect. Streets of gold. And they're not going to be blemished gold. It's going to be perfect gold. 100% pure gold. Because He is perfect. Do it in decently order. And that's what our worship here on this earth should be. Done. Decent and in order. Okay? In the name of the Lord. Let's go to Psalms. Let's look at a few verses here. Psalms 124. I think the drought is making me dry out. Psalms 124, verse 8. The Bible says... Our help is in, you ready? Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. It defines who the Lord is, right? So your help, your help in this life is spiritual to help you with physical. Your help is in the name of the Lord, right? You're getting this? The name of the Lord. But then it tells you, you know, well, what God? What Lord? Well, right there, the one that made heaven and earth. Because there's only one Lord that created everything from nothing. That's the Lord. I like that. Because if he hadn't put that in there, man could have perverted that and say, well, that could be any Lord. Now, nah. Here it is. God tells you that I'm your help. I'm your help in this world, in this physical world. Look to me spiritually to help you physically. Oh, by the way, here's my pedigree. I'm the one that created it. Okay? Name of the Lord. Let's keep going. Proverbs 18.10. Proverbs 18:10. Proverbs 18 verse 10, the Bible says, "The name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous runneth into it and is safe. The name of the Lord, the same Lord, He's your strong tower. He's your protection. He protects you physically, but you've got to call on him spiritually in his name. Isaiah 50:10, Isaiah 50. Verse 10, the Bible says, Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and, sh- and hath no light? Let him trust, right here, in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. What does it mean, stay? It means rely You walk in the name of the Lord and you rely on him for everything. We must trust in the name of the Lord. Everything has to be in the name of the Lord. Trusting in God's name is trusting in God's person, right? And that results, what does it result in? It results in you fearing and obeying God, okay? So we're also supposed to baptize in the name of what? In the name of the Lord. You don't baptize any other way. Let's go to Acts and look at this one. You think he's not serious and his name doesn't have power? Acts chapter 6 Acts chapter 8 verse 16. Acts chapter 8 verse 16 the Bible says, "For as yet he was fallen no, upon none of them, and t- only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus." They were nap- baptized in the name of the Lord. Acts 10:48. What's happening here? Let's look. Acts 10 verse 48. And he commanded them to be baptized, ready, in the name of the Lord, then prayed they him to tarry certain days. He they were baptized in the name of the Lord. They could have stopped right there and said they were baptized. But that would mean nothing. That baptism only has power because it's in the name of the Lord. Acts 19:5. You still don't think it's serious about baptism? And it's a, it's a submersion baptism. Sorry to say, you don't sprinkle. Acts 19, verse 5. The Bible says, When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we see just in Acts alone, there's three occasions that talk about people that got saved, received Christ as their Savior, and they were baptized, right? And they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus because he saved them. You can't get saved by Jesus and be baptized in the name of some other Lord. It's that powerful. Salvation is powerful. Baptism is powerful only because it's in the name of the Lord. Okay? Okay? So let's look at Matthew 28. See some more stuff about this name that's so powerful. And you think this name is so powerful, yet people, the world just takes it for granted, and they use it as a cuss word. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Here's Jesus, right? What did he tell them to say? He said, go therefore, he's talking to Christians, go therefore and teach All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. In the name of the Lord. So we see that baptisms are to be done in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. All Christians should be baptized. Why? Why do you got to be baptized? Well, the only reason to be baptized is a public testimony to your faith in Christ. It's so you can say, I got saved. I believe in the Savior. He is true. He is the one living, powerful God. Now I'm going to get baptized to show it. That's it. That's the only power it has. Baptism cannot save you. Okay? Religions, there's other religions that teach baptism can save you. But there was a thief on the cross. Next to Christ when he was dying and he called on him as his Lord. And what did Jesus say? You will be with me today in paradise. That, he did not come off that cross and get baptized. But you know what? He's still in heaven. No baptism can save you, but it is powerful if it's done in the name of the Lord. Okay? So what else are we looking at? Let's look at James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Mama, quit looking at your watch. James chapter 5 and verse 14. <clears throat> Is any sick among you? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil, right here, in the name of the Lord. So, what's the power to, to heal right there? Is it the oil? No. You're praying and you're anointing them, they're sick. You're praying and anointing them in the name of the Lord. It's God's name, that spiritual power, that's going to heal. Not physical. The oil does nothing but, you know, moisten their skin. It's the power of God's name. We anoint the sick with oil in the name of the Lord. So that oil wouldn't just you just go in there and rub it on their forehead, right? No. If they're doing that, they're doing it as a holy thing, a spiritual thing, in the name of the Lord. That oil has power because it's done in the name of the Lord. that prayer for the sick has power if it's done in the name of the Lord. that's the key that's the power is the name of the Lord. One more verse Colossians three seventeen Colossians three verse seventeen the Bible says, and whatsoever ye do, this is Christians listen closely and whatsoever ye do in word or deed do all in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god and to the father by him so we see right here the bible's teaching of this is god's word he's talking to christians he's saying that everything you do should be done in the name of the lord Okay, Every action a Christian does should conform to the biblical principles and the character of God. If it doesn't, it's not in the name of the Lord, and it's probably sin. I guarantee you're stepped off, right? So we're acting as God's representatives. If you're a Christian, you're a representative of Christ. And you're in this world, this fleshly world. We talked about that. And we should seek to uphold God's great reputation In our perverted culture, because that's what it is, this culture today is super perverted. But we should uphold God's name and His great reputation in this perverted culture by living in a way that brings honor and glory to God. If you tell people you're a Christian and they see you doing things that the perverted world does, you're just bringing God down. Don't even tell them you're a Christian if you're going to do that, just stay hidden. Because you're hidden from God because you're living wrong, right? Remember what we talked about when we first started? Everything you do, everything you say, and everything you think should be done in the name of the Lord. Because that name is powerful. And who's the Lord we're talking about? The Bible already told us that too. The one that created the heavens and the earth. So where is your life today? Are you in the name of the Lord? Or are you living a life that would bring dishonor to your God? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today, Lord, just to thank you for this moment to open your word. And Lord, I hope these verses made sense and these words were put together correctly that somebody can understand. And Lord, it's very serious, Lord, that we live in a, in a fleshy world, but it's a spiritual battle, Lord. And the only way we can win is with your name and your power, Lord. And I ask you to help us today, Lord, just keep us strong and keep us thinking about you as we go on and, and worship you and praise you later. And, and, and Lord, And just learn about your word in in the coming preaching for tonight and, and for this afternoon, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.